At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. There are moments in life that you'll never forget. Memories you'll pass on to your children and they'll pass on to theirs. They'll be talked about when friends come together as myth, lore, and legend. These are Tales from the Tailgate. All right, guys, we are back and bringing you not the news, but a tale from the tailgate is our good buddy, Mike Salter. Joining us, as always, is my good buddy, Trev. Trev, how are you? Good, man. How are you? Uh, I'm all right. I, I, I couldn't miss the opportunity to uh, introduce <laughs> him in a different way. So <laughs> I was wondering what that was all about, but yeah. it was absolutely fitting and perfect. Well, everybody's used to hearing and Here's Mike Salter. So I was like, well, let's let's go ahead and introduce him the right way. How are you, Mike? I'm doing good, man. How are you guys? Still fat doing and sassy. Good, yeah. Glad to have you on, man. It's been uh it's been one of those things we've like waited for you to knock one down and you did such a thing, bro. It's actually pretty cool. You you normally I, I don't know how it took you quite the time that it did, especially with the horseshoe that you have shoved up. All right, well, we'll keep that going on. That's a different tale. Things, things have been good to me the last few years. I can't, I can't deny that. That's a different tale. <laughs> you know how we've been talking about that uh, thing about going around camp and all the stories not being about deer, but other things This falls into that category. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Mike, why don't you uh, why don't you unveil kind of like how your season went and uh, and kind of dive right into it, buddy? Yeah, man. I mean, uh, I didn't have high expectations for this year, to be honest. Um, I, I had a new kid and in February, and I've been just super busy. I didn't get to do the scouting I did the year before, um, so I just kind of went into it, you know, kind of looking to have fun, uh, hunt when I could. Um, got kind of my my go to spot here in Connecticut and then uh, was was looking forward to hopefully uh, being able to go back up to Vermont uh, for deer camp this year. We missed it last year because of all the COVID stuff. So camps closed down. Several of the camps around us actually closed down because of that. So um, was just looking forward to, to getting back at it this year a little bit. I definitely I want to I want to touch on that real quick because how important it is for deer camp 
like deer camp was like one of like the big founding things. I mean, like, especially when I was growing up, like Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, like everybody would go up to deer camp in the Northern Hills. So what was it kind of for you as you were growing up? So, um, the camp that we have in Vermont, uh, our, our family's had it since 1946. Um, and you know, I've grown up with all the stories from my great grandfather's age, my grandfather, my father and uncle, um, since that time. And, you know, um, you're, you're right back then, forties, fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties, and even into like the early nineties. Um, there were not a lot of deer in Southern New England and everyone went North. There were camps everywhere. They were all loaded with people up to two weeks at a time, uh, you know, places without running water, just roughing it for two weeks, chasing deer up there. Um, that's changed a lot. And, you know, you've seen a lot of those camps fade away. You've seen a lot of the older generation has passed on. Um, there haven't been people to replace them. Uh, so you don't see the number of hunters up there that you used to. Um, some of that probably comes into, you know, the recruitment and retention, but some of it's also uh, an effect of there's better hunting opportunities elsewhere. So uh, it's super important to me to, you know, to have that history in my camp up there and go up there and enjoy it. I mean, I grew up, I've been going up there my entire life. So. What, what does it really mean to you, man? Um, you know, it, it's all about family and friends up there. Um, we're lucky enough to have some good friends that come up. My dad's friends, my friends, my grandfather's friends. Uh, and there's a few camps around us of people that, that live here in Connecticut around us that we know they have camps right up the road. So we all get together. We have a good time up there. A lot of times we're up there during the summer and stuff, you know, working on the places, you know, doing trail cams, cutting wood, doing the kind of stuff to keep the places up. So there's a lot of camaraderie up there, not just within our camp, but, you know, amongst the camps. And it's just super important. And some of those guys, a couple of the guys that are older, uh, they come all the way from Maryland every year at one of the other camps. So, you know, I didn't get to see them last year. Uh, my buddy Paul, who lives out in the Chicago area now, he didn't come last year, so I hadn't seen him in two years. So it's super important to me, you know, to be able to do that um, and also carry on that tradition. You know, it's, it's um, what now, fourth generation in the camp. So, and hopefully my son will be fifth. There you yeah, go. Yeah, man, that's. That's totally awesome. <laughs> so I got a question for you. you guys run a really the traditional style hunt camp. Do you guys keep a camp diary? We don't. Uh, it's something that my dad's actually talked about recently doing, uh, trying to document some of the stuff, uh, you know, obviously over the ages, little bits here and there get lost. So, I mean, a lot of us have heard the same stories over and over for years, um, but eventually you start losing a little bit of that. So we don't have a camp diary per se. Um, we have some, some stuff around the camp, uh, that reminds us of it. Uh, one guy that had been at camp for a long time had, as he was up there, like learning the areas, he started drawing his own map from memory. Um, and after he passed away, we got a hold of it and we actually framed that and put it in the camp. So it's not the scale or anything, but it's actually his, his experiences up there from being in the woods and learning the woods and drawing it out himself. That's awesome. Um, you know, things like that, you know. We have some, you know, we keep all the antlers at the camp, anything that's been shot up there. Um, so we have that history. One of the other camps has a ton, like years and years and years worth of antlers hanging in the camp. Um, everyone's initials on them, the year they were taken. Um, I'm fortunate enough that, you know, I have my buck from two years ago up there now hanging next to my great grandfather's. 
So that was super important to me. Um, it could have been a spike. It wouldn't have mattered what it was, but um, I was the first one in my family to have a bucking camp in 55 years, two years ago. So, wow. Yeah. That's, so that was, uh, that's amazing. Yeah. My dad's been at it for uh better part of 44 years up there now. He's missed some years, um, but has not come home with a buck. So um, it, it's, it's different up there, man. It's, you know, there's some, there's some big deer in Vermont. Don't, I know some people like to knock on Vermont. I don't name any names, but um, <laughs> they know who they are. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you, you generally, you don't have the caliber of deer up there. You don't, it's big woods. Um, not great genetics. They, they've really tried to change a lot of things up there. They did put an antler point restriction in, um, which we thought was working great. We've seen a lot more bucks, a lot bigger bucks in our area over the time and they kind of went backwards on that uh last year so um things have changed up there things have gotten better things have gotten harder there's not as many hunters in the woods i mean my dad used to talk about going up there and it, it wasn't uncommon to see 10 12 15 20 guys in the woods still hunting moving around moving deer around i've probably other than the guys we know that hunt camps around us i've seen in i don't know 12 years maybe two, three, four people that we don't know walking through the woods up there. So been a drastic change over the years. That's crazy. Well, why don't you go right into your tale, man? Because you, uh, you made another memory while you were up in, uh, in Vermont this year. Yeah. Um, you know, it it was just great getting to go back up to camp. We go up, uh, middle of November, uh, for opening of rifle season. And this year I actually went up on, Let's see, the Thursday before, it opens on Saturday. Actually, it was uh, Veterans Day. I actually called both of you on the way up. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and talked to you on the way up. So, got up there, opened up camp, and uh, which is a giant pain after closing it to winterize <laughs> it and having to reopen it and then winterize it again uh, after camp. But it comes with the territory. So, uh, got up there, you know, got everything opened up. And one of my boys came over from New Hampshire. And we decided to go out scouting uh, a little bit in the afternoon. Uh, it was supposed to rain real hard Friday, so we wanted to get out. Uh, we both had early season bear tags in our pockets, so went out for a walk. Um, went to go pull trail camera cards. Have been sitting since the end of October. My dad gone up there for early muzzleloader season. You know, pulled the camera cards, found some fresh scrapes um, right at that spot. We've got a spot on our property. Uh, we've got a break in the stone wall. Uh, it's a real good spot. There's like three or four different habitat types that come, come together right there, uh, right at the bottom end of a, of a huge beaver pond. Uh, and this beaver pond with all, all the wetlands and stuff around it and all the thick covers got to be, I don't know, seven to 10 acres. I know it's like 180 plus yards across the short way because one of, one of our guys shot a beer across it. <laughs> so, and we ranged of it. Course. So it's a huge <laughs> beaver pond and it's, it's big bedding. Um, so we, you know, we saw fresh sign there. Was, you know, that day, day old Max, there were three or four scrapes in there. My buddy and I found up along the stone wall, you know, uh, a bunch of rubs. They were older, um, all coming off of this hill. So it was encouraging. Uh, we took a walk around. That was really the only sign we saw. Um, so Friday, even though it was it was pissing all day, on and off, real hard. We got soaked, but we did go out and cover some ground. And we didn't turn up anything um, to speak of for sign. I mean, we saw some tracks, but other than that, there was nothing. Um, 
So right where this, this spot is where our truck names are, we have, we have a two man ladder stand that my, my buddy Dan had brought up um, to put up there and kind of whoever wants to sit in it sits in it. And uh, that's actually where I shot my buck two years ago. And uh, I, I let everyone else choose where they wanted to go. And I, you know, that's kind of what we do on Friday night. Everyone kind of makes a game plan, um, figure out where you're going the next day. That's one of our only rules, kind of rules at camp is everyone goes out Saturday morning. Everyone goes out opening day. You know, beyond that, you can do what you want. You can come and go and camp, hunt, not hunt, hang out. Um, but everyone goes out the door opening morning. So um, no one wanted to go to the stand. So I said, well, I'm not going to let it sit there. That's where the sign is. Um, so I went and sat in it all day and, uh, it was nice out. I actually went in with my buddy. Uh, we aren't like you guys. Uh, we're not going in the dark, um, <laughs> straight Guggen style, Trev. Uh, we, we kind of go in at first light, gray light, um, and kind of hunt our ways way into our spots. So my buddy and I went up there. Um, it rained a little, you know, it rained the day before it got cold and the stand was froze up hard. So I got up in there and, you know, got up in the stand and I went to go throw my rope around the tree and here goes a deer bounding off from 40 yards away from me. And I was just kind of like, Oh, well, that might be the only one I see for, for the entire trip up here. Cause that's kind of how it goes. Um, didn't know what it was. It looked small. I didn't see any antlers. So, and my buddy saw one about a hundred yard, 150 yards away from that too. So but that was it for the first day. Um, no one turned up anything. And we had uh, six guys in the woods covering some ground, sitting, moving. Um, you know, it was just, that's what it was. And uh, so I, I did the same thing. Um, you know, I shot a deer out of that stand two years ago. So I kind of gave it to everyone else. Anyone wants to sit there, go ahead. And everyone passed it up again. So <laughs> I say, you know, no one else has turned up any sign. And, you know, a lot of times up there it can be a waiting game. If, if you find sign, even if it's old, uh, you know, a week old, those bucks are generally going to come back to it. Um, usually when we're up there mid-November, um, it seems to be that they're tending does and you're catching them coming off of them and looking for another one. So I, I kind of decided, you know, I'm not going to let the stand sit again. So I went back in there Sunday morning and uh, sat there all day again. And it was nice, comfortable. Didn't see, I think I saw one squirrel and two ravens and a huge woodpecker that was about it all day <laughs> and uh you know where i was sitting it had been overcast and it was getting real dark in where i was you know earlier in the day so i got in there and you know sitting all day and i figured i was going to be out you know getting out of stand like around 3 45 and start working my way back to camp um only a few hundred yards from camp at that spot and uh I looked over my shoulder at about, I think it was like 3.15. Um, and probably about 120 yards away, I saw a deer moving through. Didn't know what it was. Uh, it was moving between me and my buddy who was sitting in another stand down by the brook. And uh, up there, we don't have service, so we still use two-way radios uh, to, to communicate with each other. So I told him on the radio that, you know, a deer was headed his way, didn't know what it was. Um Funny thing, you know, he was actually ready to turn his radio off because he had a doe underneath him at that time. So not knowing what it was, um, I, I blew on a bleak call. And uh, I will say that Nor'easter call has brought, brought both of my deer this year to me. 
hundred percent. And, uh, I blew on that bleed call and I was just watching and probably five or 10, probably 10 minutes later, I see the deer coming, uh, through the thick stuff. Didn't know what it was. Uh, I, you know, I pulled the scope up and, uh, I put an antler on its head and up there, uh, if it's a legal buck, that's all you need to know. <laughs> yep. It's kind of the way most people are up there. A lot of people that that hunt that live in Vermont have gotten more selective, especially now that it's a one buck state. Um, but if it's a legal buck, that's all we need to know. Uh, they switched it from having to have two points on one side back to a spike in our area. So I saw it was definitely over three inches. It looked like there's at least split on one side, and I started looking for a hole. So there was one big opening at about, you know, it was anywhere from 60 to 80 yards. There was a big gap there. It was actually where my buck from two years ago died, um, where he went down. And I said, that's, that's my spot because it's thick on either side of it. Uh, he's got to get there and I got to stop him. So he's coming through. He gets out in that opening and I, Matt, and I did it too soft. So I did it again and he took a couple more steps and stopped and he was right behind this, this big maple tree that had a huge scar on it. And uh, he got his head behind it and he got his shoulder, shoulder behind it. And I came down close to the tree, you know, as tight to the tree as I could. And I thought I could see that crease just, just for barely the backside of his shoulder. Um, and I let drive at that point. I knew he wasn't going to stick around. And uh, he took off. I watched him for probably about 100 yards, tail up, took off like a shot. And... Uh, I was like, all right. So at that point, it's all hands on deck. Uh, when someone shoots up there, you know, in our camps, it's rally the troops, um, get together, start tracking. Um, it's definitely a group effort. Uh, and this one definitely was. So my buddy that was uh, probably about 200 yards, 250 yards from me, I said, come on up to me. We'll go down, take a look for blood, hair. So I got I got packed up and got a stand and went down before he got to me to where I thought the deer were standing. Um, and I had a good benchmark because that tree was as obvious as could be. Uh, and that deer was tight to it. So got down there and uh, I'm looking and I, I can't turn up blood. I can't turn up hair. I can't turn up a track. And it's, it was super wet up there. It's been wet up there all year. Uh, even areas that are typically dry, you had standing water on the ground. Um, the way that the, the woods are up there is a lot of shallow bedrock. So you get a lot of standing water in places. So my buddy got up to me. We couldn't find anything. We crossed over the stone wall. Couldn't find anything. We went about a hundred yards where I'd seen the deer go. Couldn't turn up anything. So I thought I clean mist. We were convinced I clean mist. And I said, uh, all right. I said, well, let's, let's turn back around. Let's go back down to the stone wall. We're going to walk the stone wall because he crossed it. If I hit him, there's got to be blood on the stone wall. So we got back down there. He started walking the wall down to me. I went back to where I thought the deer was standing when I shot. And I was looking at the stand, looking at where I was. And I turned around downhill and I walked about 10 yards and immediately found blood. So he was actually distance wise. It looked like he was right behind this tree, but he was actually further from the tree than I thought. Right. That makes sense. So turned up blood, turned up hair right there, had dark blood. Um, so I figured I at least clipped the liver. Um, didn't know if I had gotten into the lungs or anything, but I knew I had 
had got liver for sure. Um, we were able to follow blood pretty steady, uh, even with the water and everything for, I don't know, hundred yards, a couple spots, it got tough. And, uh, we probably got 150 yards. And, uh, at this point, my dad and one of the other guys, they were back at camp. They were coming out to meet us. And we got to a point, my buddy and I could, couldn't pick up another drop of blood. We started half mooning through this area. There was a lot of water in it. And we just started doing semicircles. I hung my hat. Uh, at the blood and uh, he dropped his pack. And I said, what are you doing? He goes, he's, he goes, my way Paul goes preparing for the inevitable. And uh, he pulled out his headlamp and I said, Oh, that's probably a good idea. It was getting, getting pretty dark in there at this point. And uh, we, we were probably looking for like 10 minutes, half moons in, in different directions, trying to pick up blood or a track and got nothing. And so my dad and uh, Larry, one of the other guys in our camp came out, and met us and we're, we're still trying to do half moons and, and Larry had gotten probably about 15, 20 yards from um, last blood and said, is that a track right there? Um, and turned up a track uh, kind of in the path that he was headed and, and Paul walked up to it and immediately picked up blood again. So from there um, at this point, it's, it's almost dark and um we tracked him for probably another 50 yards, maybe 70 yards. And we got to a point where we found a big pool of blood. It looked like he fell. And uh, 10 yards beyond that, um, a huge area that had been tore up. Like he definitely fell and was thrashing around. And at that point, my dad, you know, we're looking. And my dad shines a light down the hill. And he had J-hooked downhill and crashed right there um, against a tree. So... I was overjoyed that, that he was down. He was actually headed right for the only posted property that's around us. And I'm sitting there fretting saying, just don't make it to that line. <laughs> of course. Right. We have uh, one property up there that it's an area that we've hunted um, a few years ago, maybe four or five years ago. Guy moved, you know, bought the property, built a huge driveway down in there, built a house and posted everything. Ugh. So I was just like, the direction we were headed, uh, it was down along this beaver pond. We were probably only about 75 yards off the edge of the beaver pond, and he was beelining right for that posted line. Um, so I was really thankful that, that he didn't make it that far. Um, got down to him, and lo and behold, I, I was surprised. I had no idea he was an eight-pointer. Um, when I shot, I knew he was a legal buck, and I never looked at the horn, at the antlers again. So got down to him, um, small, small rack eight. And, uh, just the, the party started right there. I was going to ask what happens after the, the deer. Hits the deer? <laughs> well, you know, this was, um, it, it was a special one for me. Um, two years ago was tough, uh, when I got my buck because my dad had left the night before. So he wasn't there for that. He wasn't there for my first deer in camp. He wasn't there for our family's first deer in a long time in camp. Um, and that, that sucked. So, uh, I mean, I, I put the gun against the tree. I saw he was an eight. And uh, the first thing I did was give my dad a hug. Um, my buddy, Paul, you know, he, he's a bloodhound, man. Like I can pick up blood well, but he just goes, um, you know, Larry was there too. And, you know, if it wasn't for him, we may not have found that track, got back on it. So I say it, it was definitely a true team effort, uh, to get that deer. And I was super thankful for everyone that was there to, um, partake in it. And it was awesome. 
So and then, then and then the beers start cracking after that. I bet. <laughs> uh, not, nothing got brought out in the field two years ago. Uh, one of the guys had a flask he brought out, but uh, <laughs> not not this year. And it was uh, in it was camp, late. though. I bet he had in camp. Um, it was probably about a quarter mile drag back through nothing but wet crap thick. Um, but we did it. You know, we got it back, and I ended up checking in the next day. Um, but we got back, you know, got hung up, did everything. And I, I didn't even, I don't even think I had a beer at that point. I, I actually cleaned up and took off to go call my wife and kids and FaceTime them, uh, before the kids went to bed. So I didn't really, uh, partake till I got back after that. So wanted to make sure I took care of all the good stuff at home, um, before the kids went to bed. So what happens, what happens after that? Like, as far as like, now you're tagged out. So you just, are you just like the, the camp bitch or like what happens no, after that? No, technically I'm not tagged out. Um, you're only allowed one buck, but when you get your buck tag up there uh, for the regular season, you get a bear tag with it. Oh, so cool. So you can get, so early bear season runs from September 1st to this year. It was November 12th uh, is when the early season bear runs to opening day. A rifle is, was the 13th. So your regular season bear tag is good at that point. So, um, I mean, this was Sunday. My dad actually had to leave that night. Um, he actually left late because I shot this deer and he came out and helped me. So, um, it was good that he was there. We got back, obviously. I mean, we were celebrating, we were having drinks. Um, actually nothing crazy. Um, we kind of stuck around camp. Um, obviously being late in the day, None of the other camps knew that we had, had put one down. So um, kind of just hung around tight. Um, partying kind of took place the next day. Um, <laughs> when the work's happening. <laughs> right. Yep. No, no work. I mean, I, I brought it back to Connecticut to take care of. So it was cold enough up there. Um, I brought it, I was coming back on Tuesday. So let it hang and brought it back to Connecticut to take care of. But the next day, you know, yeah, I filled my buck tag and everyone else could have gone back out monday morning um but i said i just i just need some help getting it down getting it in the truck and they said nope we're all going together um so we all hopped in the truck and they all came with me to go check it in um oh, that's, so cool. that, that's part of it up there too i mean you see a lot of um big buck contests at the local check-in stations because you actually have to check them in up there still mm-hmm. um and so we went down to the local store um the guy that owns that now actually lives in a camp right up the road from us um, really nice guy, but we went down there, put it up on the scale and you, know, you got big bay window there and you've got all, all the local old timers sitting there having their coffee in the morning, taking a look at what's going on. Yep. Um, just kind of part of the whole experience. And it was the whole group that came down to do it. It, it wasn't just me going in to check my gear. It was, it was everyone at camp came down, enjoyed it, taking photos, um, waiting here back on, I won't hear until probably May or June. Um, but I did submit a tooth uh, for aging. They do take teeth up there, and they do get back to you on the age of the deer. Awesome. Um, my guess, yeah, my guess is that deer's probably three and a half or four and a half years old. Even with the small small rack that he had, um, that'd be my guess. So That's my crazy. one two years ago was eight and a half. He was, Jeez. yeah. Yeah, and he tasted like it. He was terrible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hamburger was deer. Well, it's all like, it's all like, hemlocks and pines and i mean what do they really eat that makes them the nutrients good 
there's a lot of browse up there. We get a lot of beech nuts. There are oaks up there. You do get acorns in good years. There's a lot of old apple fields, um, a lot of old apple trees, old groves uh, they can get into if, if there's apples still producing. There's food up there. It's just not the same as what we deal with in, in suburbia hell where they're eating out of bird feeders, and, you know, <laughs> eating on nice, nice manicured green lawns all year or, or big farm fields. Um, they're, they're just, they're, they're a different, different animal up there. They really are. So you mean that there's no additives, preservatives or anything else? <laughs> <laughs> Can't say that. I mean, people still do live up there. I mean, they, they could probably get into some of that stuff, but uh, pesticides and whatever else. <laughs> definitely a lot less likely. So, yep. well, that's a true tale, honestly, the camaraderie and camp and it is, man. I mean, I, I didn't even touch on it, but you know, always the night before uh, opening day, one of the other camps, um, they have everyone over and we do like hors d'oeuvres, drinks, um, all the camps get together. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, you probably got probably 25 guys um, together. Uh, some of us don't see each other except for at deer camp. So and it's a big part of it up there. Um, like I said, it was, it was a team effort, you know, trying to find my deer. And that, that's really what it's about. It's, you know, we have a lot of fun up there. We eat like Kings. <laughs> we really do. Um, and it's fun. I mean, anyone getting a deer or a bear up there is a huge bonus. It's great. Um, but when we don't, it doesn't take away from deer camp at all. Um, and that's what's great about it. And that's why I look forward to it. I look forward to spending that time with those guys, you know, spending that time in the woods and uh, just having fun. 100%, man. Well, we appreciate you sharing your tale. And uh, it's glad, we're glad to finally have you on the show. You know, you, you've done a really good job of holding this off for quite a while. So uh, I guess you were due. But. Yeah. I, I know we tried to schedule it and, you know, Mark was breaking my stones last week with the tails. Without getting it done. <laughs> so, uh, no, I, I, you know, I appreciate you guys asking me to do it. Um, you know, Trev tried to get me to do it earlier this year with, with my bow buck and I pushed it off on that. There, there were better tails to be had than that one. And, oh, but I really appreciate now. I really appreciate, you know, being able to get to tell a deer camp story because um, it, it really does mean a lot to me, um, that camp and, and that kind of atmosphere. Uh, I think that that's super important these days uh, in hunting in general, you know, get back to having fun and get out there and just enjoy it. 100% man. And uh, that's really what we're pushing for. And that's kind of naturally becoming the direction of the show here is, you know, it's about the memories and the camaraderie. So. I'm glad you were able to uh, amplify that from a just went through it perspective, because I think uh, a, yeah. a lot of people need to hear it. You know that it exists. Uh, I'll tell anyone if you have not had the chance to experience any sort of deer camp, try. You know, make friends, try to do it. It's you won't regret it. Any style of deer camp, you won't regret going. You will have the time of your life. Outstanding. Well. Again, thanks for uh, jumping on with us and sharing your tale, brother. And for everybody Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Anytime. And uh, we'll do more. You're not going to get out of the rest of them. So. It's not the last oh, come on. <laughs> Keep trying, but it ain't happening, brother. Until then, guys, <laughs> thanks for sticking around. And uh, stay tuned for the next Tales from the Tailgate. <laughs>